This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. The Buffalo Bandits split a pair of games over the weekend and were unable to clinch a playoff spot. The Calgary Roughnecks roughed up the Toronto Rock in a wild one in Calgary. Colorado continues their struggles at home, so maybe Ian Lord will help out. The trade deadline came and went, so let's get started. All that and more on OTCB. Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. How are you? It's a pleasure to be in your eardrums. My name is Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Usually, we have Pat Gregoire and a couple of guests. Unfortunately, due to some mixed-up calendars, uh, some gremlins in the system, Literally everything that I worked on this week is gone. Disappeared into thin air and is somewhere in the universe floating around freely. Unfortunately, not here on this podcast. Uh, We're going to try to make it up for you. I promise. We'll do an extendo version of our chat with Smoke and Pat next week. We're still going to bring the guests that we were going to have this week. We'll bring them first circle and bring them back next week, but don't want to give away too many hints because we want to save all the juicy tidbits that we talked about and move them on into next week's show. But that doesn't mean there isn't a lot to talk about, and it doesn't mean that the games this past weekend were any less entertaining because if you watched any of the four games, you were thoroughly impressed. Well, there's one fan in Colorado that's definitely not impressed, um... He is just the resident troll in Denver. Um, If you aren't on Twitter or social media and don't follow me, uh, you missed a great rant where one fan would like to see Dylan Ward and Pat Coyle both shipped out of Denver and as far away as possible. He got absolutely lambasted by everybody on the internet. And I haven't heard from him since. So uh, thank you to everybody who came to the defense of one of the world's top goaltenders uh, and one of the game's best minds in Pat Coyle. I just always laugh at fans, not directly at them, because that's rude, Um, just in the figurative sense, just because of ideas that fans have and notions that they get. Now, this specific person, uh, if you go and read through his timelines, you'll note that Um, He pretty much despises all general managers and players on Colorado teams, whether it be the Avalanche, the Nuggets, um, the soccer team, the lacrosse team. Whenever something minutely bad happens or uh, a team is struggling, the initial reaction by this person is trade the goaltender, fire the coach, fire the general manager. From his recliner in his basement I'm sure seems like an easy and obvious task to do but it's not a it's not easy and b ain't no way you're ever trading Dylan Ward and Pat Coyle's not going to fire himself so um, you're just going to have to live with it and I'm sure that 99.9% of Colorado Mammoth fans are happy to have Coyle and Ward within the system sure they'd like the team to be winning. I would like the team to be winning. Dylan and Pat 
would like the team to be winning. But it's no reason to scream out that the sky is falling and to start throwing away some of your most valuable assets. Although, if you're Kurt Styers, that's exactly what you do. Kurt Styers was a very busy man, the general manager and owner of the Rochester Nighthawks. Uh, he was very busy. Uh, before the weekend, after the weekend, right at trade deadline, uh, the guy makes six deals and was the only real GM that was active on the weekend in making trades. I mean, there were plenty of general managers active. Uh, I know that um, a lot of calls were put into Mike Board in asking the price of Wesley Berg. Apparently, it's quite high. No deal was made. No signing of Westberg in Calgary. So if we're going to see Westberg, it's going to be in a roughnecks uniform this year. Unfortunately, I do not see that happening. But Kurt Styers was busy. And before the weekend happened, the shocking, shocking trade of the week was the Ryan Banesh deal for Corey Vitarelli, straight up one for one. The other two deals that Kurt made before the weekend sent Paul Dawson to San Diego for a 2020 second rounder and a conditional 2022 second rounder. He sent Joe Rezateritz to New England for a 2022 first and a 2019 second. Then after the weekend, or actually just before the weekend, uh, they acquired Chris Bushy from Calgary for a 2020 fourth round pick. And then yesterday, a Monday, they shipped Dylan Lord to Colorado for defender Rowan Kelly and a 2021 third rounder. Then they send captain and longtime Nighthawk Scott Campbell to Saskatchewan for a conditional 2021 second rounder and a 2022 second round pick. The conditions on that 2021, if Saskatchewan wins the championship, I believe that 2021 will then turn into a first. But when you look at these deals, you have to wonder what in the holy heck is Kurt Steyer's doing? Is he throwing in the towel? Is he selling the farm? The Nighthawks are officially four, no, three and a half games out of a playoff spot. Six and a half games out of first. It's probably not in their vision right now. Their focus is trying to catch New England, who after 11 games are seven and four. Rochester has a game in hand. They're at two and eight. They have to play each other twice. And fingers crossed for Rochester and their fans, Callum Crawford won't be in the lineup for those games. So in their final eight games, they can string together some wins here and forget about the noise outside and just go about their business. There's still a chance that they can sneak into the playoffs. And I'm sure everybody in that locker room is just trying to go about their business. Don't worry about the things you cannot control. You can't control what your general manager is going to do and the moves that he's going to make. Sometimes you know they're coming. Sometimes you don't even see them coming. And so for the Nighthawks and their fans, don't give up quite yet. There is still hope. Mike Hazen and his crew are doing everything to get their team prepared for their game this weekend. 
They'll take on Toronto. There's a big game. They have to play Toronto twice still. They're actually playing a doubleheader this weekend, Friday at home against Georgia, and then they'll ship up to Toronto to take on the Rock on Saturday. So a big weekend coming up for the Rochester Nighthawks, the new-look Rochester Nighthawks. And I'm just going to go ahead and call them Roch Facts from now on. They're the Roch Facts Night Birds, right? Roch Facts Night Birds. They're going to Halifax next year. They'll be the Thunderbirds. They're currently in Rochester where they are the Nighthawks. So they're the Rochbacks, Nightbirds. Two games this weekend for the Nightbirds, and they're very big ones. A couple of losses really hurts their chances. But if they can just slowly poke away, chip away, get some momentum, get some confidence, this team could really be right in the hunt uh, if they can catch New England, especially, again, if the Callum Crawford suspension is upheld. Um, update on the Callum Crawford situation. Uh, it has been moved to a arbitrational hearing um, with between the PLPA and the National Lacrosse League. Obviously, the PA thinks that they can win this, either win it completely to get the entire suspension reduced uh, to zero or just have it taken aback. I I'd still believe um, they're not happy with Rule 41.4 which is the uh, ex- um, multiple match penalty rule where it becomes an automatic additional five games. I think they're probably going to try to do exactly what Calgary did last year with Greg Harnett and try to finagle uh, the wording of the rule into their favor. I've also heard rule or rumors that the Black Wolves are trying to get the Board of Governors or the, the teams to combine and get the rule changed or thrown out. I'm not sure the actual reasoning for what they're doing. But it sounds like they're unhappy, obviously. Um, They feel that it's a big loss for their team not to have Callum Crawford in the lineup, obviously. But again, we talked about this last week. Yes, it's very important for the New England Black Wolves to have their best player on the floor. It's important for their market to have an MVP caliber player who's on their team playing night in and night out. But if you're going to do something as silly as jump into a guy, throw an elbow and hit him in the head, you have to deal with the consequences. And so we still don't know the final verdict on whether Callum Crawford will be eligible to play. He is appealing, so he will play when games are available. And this weekend, uh, the New England Black Wolves have to play the Vancouver Warriors in Vancouver. So I'm sure they'd like to know as soon as possible how that hearing is going to go. As usual, we probably won't find out till Thursday or Friday the the official ruling. But as I proudly and loudly said last weekend, you cannot, you cannot go backwards in this process just because he's an MVP candidate. Use the same example. Connor McDavid got a two-game suspension for an elbow. It was his first offense, and he got two games right away. I saw a tweet somewhere the last three suspensions in the National Hockey League were two star players for headshots. I'm not trying to paint Callum Crawford with an evil brush. I have a 
thousand times of tons of respect for Callum Crawford. But if you do something silly and then you do it again, the rules are black and white. Second match within a two-year period, an additional five games. So obviously, the PLPA and the Callum Crawford's camp would like to see the match penalty reduced to, say, a major. If the match is reduced to a major, there's no suspensions, period, and Crawford can continue to play. I just don't see it happening. But we shall wait and see. We don't want to go down that rabbit hole again. We did that plenty last week. We'll just have to wait and see what the ruling uh, is when we find out Thursday or Friday um, after the hearing is done. Before we move any more forward, the four games this past weekend. It all started Friday in Buffalo. Philadelphia had it once again. It was in their grasps. They had their longtime rivals under their foot. Foot on the throat, standing, posing, doing the Hulkamania. But then they saw themselves in the mirror, took their foot off the throat, and started flexing a little more. And next thing you know, Chase Fraser, Corey Small, and Matt Vince took over that game in the fourth and in overtime. And Buffalo snuck out with a 12-11 overtime win. The Bandits had a chance to clinch a playoff spot the next night in Buffalo. Unfortunately, they laid a bit of an egg on their home turf, only scoring nine. Kudos to Mike Poulin and the entire Georgia defense as they take that one 14-9. That was another fantastic game. Calgary and Toronto played an absolute banger. A typical Roughnecks Rock game. Calgary was in control that entire game. Uh, The Rock continued to try to climb back, but they just were unable to get their feet under them after they fell down big early. And Calgary ran away with it 59. Eight assists for Curtis Dixon and a fight. And I know a lot of people were on Curtis Dixon for that fight. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then the final game, San Diego at Colorado. If Colorado could get out of the gate in the first quarter, this season could be turned around. They were down 7-2 at halftime. They outscored San Diego 8-6 the rest of the way. Slow starts have cost them. They have 13, yes, 13 first quarter goals. You want to know the next closest team? That would be the San Diego Seals at 28 goals, and they've played one game less than the Colorado Mammoth. If Colorado could score more than 1.18 goals per first quarter, they would be a much different team. But for some reason, that opening 15 minutes is like kryptonite. And it's cost them more times than I can count. And it continues to cost them. Because they played a heck of a second half. 
against San Diego. But when you're down five before the break, you're in a bit of a tough pickle. Let's quickly go back and listen to some sights and sounds from week 13 in the National Lacrosse League. Crowley, shoot, and he scores! Shot, they score. And having a little bit of something to say to the Philly faithful, Chase Frazier, the only hat trick in this game for either side is 22nd of the year. It's 10-11. Defense hands it over to Hogarth. Then in shot, they score with a minute and seven seconds left. Corey Smalls, 27th of the year, makes this an 11-11 tie. Shot, and they score. And in overtime, it ends off the stick of Chase Frazier. His fourth of the game, five minutes, 18 seconds into OT. And that full throttle shot blocked by one of the defenders for Georgia. And a shorthanded opportunity coming right in on Matt Vince. They score. Rebound jumps all the way back out to midfield. Looks to save the over and back charge. Nobody there to scoop it up. And now Georgia comes right back with it. Chet Tucker. Shooting scores! Georgia Stymie, holding Buffalo from the outside. Smith, shot scores! Oh my goodness, Dane Smith! Fires it back over to Smith to Durston again with a hot stick shot, he scores! She got a nice shot on, but Kulin makes the save and fresh from the penalty box. Kulin with the outlet pass. Lead pass out in front, score! As Brendan Bomberry picked up the outlet pass from Kulin, and this one hurts. Shoots and scores. Latrell Harris on the breakaway makes it 10-6. And now here's another opportunity. Breakaway for Courier. In one-on-one. Takes the shot and scores. Absolutely, they're going to work right now. Dutch takes the shot and scores. Fourth of the night for Reese Dutch. Continues oh. a Dixon drops the gloves. Curtis Dixon has thrown down and is throwing punches oh. and wins this one with a takedown as he was having none of it after his teammate got leveled. Curtis Dixon showing the kind of leadership that caused the Roughnecks to award him a three-year contract here this season. Eight assists and a fight. Ten on the shot box. Vitarelli to McLaughlin. Inside, Vitarelli scores! First shot, first goal! Dodgers got one and tied at one. Picked up by Kyle Hartzell, he's gonna run with speed. Hartzell down the pipe, he'll shoot, Bouncer scores! Hartzell's first goal back in the National Lacrosse League, 7-2 San Diego. Here's Whitting, right back to McChesney, scores! What a play by Winnick! Gets his first NLL goal! Have you ever seen a kid that happen? I think it's great. Mammoth fans to their feet in the final 90. McLaughlin up top of the way, backhand speed lead. Dives a great pass to the goal! Winnick gets his second! 
Some great calls from around the National Lacrosse League in week 13. And again, all four games were great games. Even though the Calgary-Toronto and Buffalo-Georgia games weren't close at the end, they were still played with a fiery, fiery passion, as noted by the fight at the end of the game in Calgary. Now, a lot of people went after Curtis Dixon for his actions in the fight. Most notably, not taking his helmet off. And I know a lot of people were upset for what Curtis did. uh, And a lot of people, especially people who are cheering against Calgary, whether it's tongue-in-cheek or truthfully, uh, would like to see him feel the wrath of some sort of suspension, which won't happen. If he gets another instigator, he will get suspended. But if you go back and look at the events leading up to the actual fight, Phil Caputo hits Roughnecks captain Dan McRae high in the head. And Curtis Dixon, who's back playing defense late in the game, took took exception. He goes right at Phil Caputo, engages him, and in the process of saying, hey, let's fight, grabs Caputo, they both chuck mitts, they both start throwing, and in the process, Curtis Dixon is able to get Phil Caputo's helmet off. They throw a few more blows. They tumble to the ground. They get up. Caputo's got blood, whether it's from a punch or Dixon's helmet hitting him in the face, whatever it may be, and they go off the floor. People would have liked to see Curtis Dixon step back and take his helmet off in that situation and let it be squared up. That is a fight that the National Lacrosse League wants to get rid of. They do not want staged fights where two guys kind of previously agree upon stepping back, shedding the gear, and chucking bombs. The situation with Dixon and Caputo happened in-game in the heat of the moment. And so with that opportunity, you don't have time to say, hey, man, let's go. You react. And when a player hits your captain in the head, you don't think, hey, let's square up. You think, I'm going to go get that guy and do whatever I can to get retribution for my captain. That's exactly what Dixon did. I have no difficulties with Dixon's actions with Caputo's reaction and the resulting fight Caputo knew what he did Dixon knew what he did and they went it's unfortunate that Phil didn't get Curtis's helmet off but if you're going to fight a guy you should know the easiest way to lose a guy's bucket there's a few different ones just rip the face mask right off if you can Forcefully pull it over his head. You can rip the strap off and pull it up by the ear. Or you can reach from the back and try to pull it over. There are ways to get a helmet off. Obviously, when you're being punched, it's not easy to quickly think, oh, crap, I got to do this. I got to grab the button. I got to get my fingers underneath the side of the helmet and pull. You're not always constantly thinking about that. 
But you have to, in that situation, do what you can to give yourself an advantage. And Curtis Dixon gained the advantage by, in the process, pulling his helmet off and throwing punches. It was a great fight. It was a spirited tilt. As Don Cherry would say, two good guys hurting nobody else but themselves. And they went at it. So I think people need to give Curtis Dixon a bit of a break. He was standing up for his captain. There's no harm, no foul on either side of the play. It was just an in-the-moment fight. And those are the fights that I'm okay with in sports. And the two sports allow fighting hockey and lacrosse. Technically, they kind of allow fighting in rugby. They just wish you didn't throw punches. But it's the fights where off a draw, guys already know what they're going to do. And as soon as the whistle blows, they kind of square off. Those are the fights we all want to get out of sports. Now, there's times where those fights are necessary. Uh, I can think back to a Calgary-Colorado game a couple years ago. And I think it was um, Dan Coates. And now I can't I think of his name. Oh, Jeff Molesky. Uh, it was right off a of faceoff. Uh, Coates took the draw and was taking the draw. And as soon as the whistle blew, he knew he was going to go and fight Jeff Molesky. Now, it was a fight worth that had a little bit of retribution to it. And again, it was kind of set up. Those can we can do without. But heat of the moment, spur of the moment fights that happen because... Somebody got dirtied and you allow the players to please themselves. I'm okay with. So get off Superman's cape. Let him do what he does. And let's move on. And when we move on, let's go down to Colorado real quick. We kind of talked about their slow starts and how they've been getting crushed in that first quarter. They're adding more youth to the lineup out the front door, which I think is great because for the past few years, they have been a very stagnant offense. And that's not a knock on Chris Gill, who was their former O coach. That's not even a knock on the abilities of the other players that have come and gone. It's the idea that guys like Kyle Killen and Ryan Lee and Jeff Wittig are inserting energy, youthful enthusiasm, and just tireless work ethic that is going to help make that offense more energetic and more lively and produce more results. When I found out that Jeff Wittig was getting the start for the or was getting his first into his first NLL game and they were going to healthy scratch Jeremy Noble. I was a bit shocked, but I wasn't. Because as we all know, Jeremy Noble has not had a very Jeremy Noble-esque season. So the second game that he missed, he also missed the Buffalo game. And it's a, it's Pat Coyle showing that he is not satisfied with status quo. And he's not satisfied with just continuing to put out the same lineup and getting the same results. The offense looked a lot better over the weekend. Again, first quarter 
not included. Heck, this weekend, the first half not included. Once they came out and realized, oh, crap, we're in a lacrosse game, we should probably start getting in the net and scoring goals, the offense started to click, and everybody was contributing. But what I love the most is the opportunities when you put young players into the lineup and they have big games and they bring big game energy. From the first shift to his last, Jeff Wittig never stopped. He was pedal to the metal the entire game. Early on, you could see that he was a little nervous. He was a little hesitant to play his style of game. He was kind of always deferring to the other players. Like, you know, I got to make sure I get it to Eli or Vettorelli, or I got to make sure I always throw the swing pass to the righties because, you know, I'm the rookie. I can't take the light away from the other guys. Well, once he realized that, hey, man, you're in the lineup, play your game, take your shots, do what you got to do, he started to relax. He started to get into the flow of things, and the guy put up four points, and he was a huge part of their second-half comeback. And so for all those people that are worried about Colorado, I can see your worry. The worry is throughout the organization right now. But there's also still the belief that this group, once they get on the same page and once they figure out all the little things, this is going to be a very talented team. And so now that Pat Coyle thinks he has his offense figured out, he's gone ahead and shored up his defense a little bit. Now, I'm pretty sure he was probably trying to get Scott Campbell. It wouldn't surprise me if the call was made. But it also didn't surprise me when I heard that the asking price earlier in the weeks was pretty high for Scott Campbell. So when the guy that you want is out of your price range, you go and get another guy. And they acquired Ian Lord, who is a multi-NLL title winner, a multi-man cup winner. I believe he even won a President's Cup one year. He won three titles in one year, I believe. He won an NLL title with Rochester, a President's Cup with... I can't even think of who it was back then. And then he won a Man Cup later that summer with Brampton or Peterborough. Brampton, probably. Six Nations, maybe even. The guy's played for a lot of teams. But he pulled off a trifecta just a few short years ago. The guy is a championship pedigree defender. He brings size, toughness, and grit. Three things that I think the Colorado Mammoth defense needs more of. Because when you look at their roster front to back, they are a fairly small team. So to give a a young guy like Rowan Kelly and a pick for a veteran UFA in Ian Lord... I think it's a move that needs to be made because, again, this is a group that still has a definite shot of making the playoffs. And even if you sneak in by the skin of your teeth, all you have to do is win two games down the stretch and you're in the NLL Finals. Sure, maybe easier said than done. But any team right now, since we're on the back half of the season... Any 
team that can start to gain momentum, start to stack some wins together, is obviously going to have an advantage come playoff time. But even if you sputter into the playoffs, say you lose like six of seven, but you still find a way, because that's happened in this National Lacrosse League before. We've seen teams absolutely stumble into the postseason and have success. So don't count your chickens before your hatch. Don't count anybody out. There's still lots to be played for. So let's focus on the top of the National Lacrosse League right now. We kind of talked about um, the success of the Buffalo Bandits and how well they've been playing. Uh, They missed an opportunity this past weekend to clinch a playoff spot. If they would have knocked off Georgia, uh, they would have guaranteed themselves a top four position in the East. But they have themselves a massive tilt on Saturday night. Buffalo at Saskatchewan. Top two teams, two of the top teams in the National Lacrosse League. Possible, possible NLL Cup preview. Two teams that have playoff experience against each other. We all remember Jeff Cornwall's late game winner in Saskatchewan to give the Rush the title. That will be a game that a lot of eyes will be on. And with six games on the schedule this weekend, you want to make sure that your laptop, iPad, computer, television, um, dial-up modem, iPhone, Android, Galaxy, whatever you use and whatever multiple systems you use, make sure they are charged and ready to go. Friday night's an easy one. Georgia at Rochester, all you need is one screen. Then we get Rochester and Toronto. That's an Eastern time zone game, so you can settle down and watch that one. Colorado at Calgary, Buffalo at Saskatchewan. Those are two uh, central time zone, mountain and central time zone games, so those ones will overlap. Then you got Philly at San Diego, New England at Vancouver, a couple Western time zone games. So you should be able to watch most of the games in their entirety. Maybe when we get late on Saturday night, there might be some overlap. But there's going to be some darn good lacrosse games. And we're going to, again, start to see some either separation or we're going to see the gaps begin to close. If Put it this way. Georgia knocks off Rochester. Rochester gets put further back in the hole, especially when they have to go to Toronto the next night. Colorado and Calgary is a massive Western Division game because Colorado needs to start winning games, and Calgary would like to keep pace with Saskatchewan in San Diego. We already talked Buffalo and Saskatchewan. Philadelphia heading to San Diego, where we'll get our first battle of expansion brothers. That'll be an interesting tilt as the two newest NLL clubs go head-to-head. But again, a big game for both clubs as Philadelphia would like to try to turn the tide and start to win some big games down the stretch in San Diego, trying to keep a home playoff game in their sights. And then New England at Vancouver. Will Callum Crawford play? 
Can Vancouver end their two-game win, uh, winless streak? Can they move ahead of Colorado? It's awesome to see these great games down the stretch and how much of an effect they will have on the standings as we move closer to the playoffs. Every half game is going to start to count. And teams that are on the bottom half of standings are going to have to right the ship. And teams that are at the top half of the standings are going to have to find a way to keep the momentum trending upwards. Let's see. I'll take Georgia over Rochester. Toronto over Rochester. Colorado over Calgary. Buffalo's probably going to have Josh Byrne back because they announced that he's put back on the active roster. Um, So that betters their chances going into Saskatchewan. But uh, playing the rush at home is always tough. I'll take the rush. Uh, I'll take San Diego over Philly. And I will take just for... Colorado's sake, I'll take New England over Vancouver. Hey, Black Wolves, I need a favor. Please help me out. Don't forget, all games can be seen live on Bleach Report. Get the app on your phone, your tablet, wherever. Uh, Set up your computer, your Xbox, your PS4. Uh, However you get your NLL, make sure you're using Bleacher Report Live. And make sure you follow... The lacrosse flash, my guy Tyson Geik uh, has launched himself a new website, lacrosseflash.com. Uh, all their videos, interviews, articles are there. And if you haven't seen it yet, you need to go and check out the latest video that he has put out. For anybody that watched the original War on the Floor with Joe Bowen and Pat Coyle, You'll remember. You'll remember the hot, hot heat song bandages. You'll remember the epic fights and hits and guys being turned upside down that were in that video. Well, Tyson's done it again. He's remixed it. He's brought it back full circle. And he's made a 2019 version of that. Now, I know that fights and roughness isn't a big selling point for the National Lacrosse League, but it is a massive part of the National Lacrosse League. So uh, I'm appreciative of Tyson putting this together. So many people came out with great reactions um, watching the video. Guys saying, you know, you're taking me back to the 90s. Uh, I miss this stuff. It's awesome. We want more. But the best was Jake Withers, who felt that this video warranted a rebirth of war on the floor a yearly christmas video much like the rock'em sock'em videos that don cherry used to do for the national uh national hockey league and jake's idea was to use craig ribzinski and big paul dawson as the joe bowen and pat coyle stand-ins and i absolutely love the idea now Of course, not too many people are buying VHSs these days. And I'm not sure how many people even have DVD players anymore. But if you could make this and you could stream it and watch it online, I think tons of eyes would be upon it. 
and I think you could do an incredible job with those two gentlemen. And I know Tyson and his crew could put together some incredible footage uh, and make it sparkle and shine. Uh, I remember Chris Fox and his crew did the Rugburn DVD a few years ago. That was uh, a great rebirth of sort of the branding of the National Lacrosse League. And I think we need to see more of that. It's obviously not a very cheap thing to do. Uh, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of man hours. But to continue to grow this game, I think we need to put cool little things like that out there to keep the interest of this league at its highest. And when I talk about the interest of the National Lacrosse League, I go back to a comment that the commissioner made on the broadcast Saturday night when he was in Denver. A couple little nuggets actually came out of that conversation. Uh, He said that for the next Mammoth home game when Vancouver's in town on the 23rd, uh, he's going to be bringing some prospective investors to the league. Um, So he's super excited about that. I am as well. Hopefully get a chance to shake some hands. But the bigger Easter egg that came out of the conversation with the commissioner was he was talking about the fact of we haven't quite made it yet in terms of popularity, notoriety, and exposure for the National Cross League. And I think we can all agree that the NLL isn't quite there yet. We're working on it. We're getting there. So I asked the commissioner, I said, when do you think we will quote-unquote be there? And he looked me in the eye, and he looked Shoe in the eye, and he said, when we're a 30-team league with full-time athletes and a multi-million dollar TV deal, which threw up the question mark light bulb above my head. If he believes that a multi-million dollar TV deal is necessary for us to get there, When do we start to work towards that? And I'm not saying they're not. But with all the focus being on OTT platforms and Bleach Report and making sure people can find games streamed online has been sort of their number one focus as of late. And I truly believe that the partnership between BR Live, Turner Sports, and the National Crossing has been fantastic. I know some of you out there have had issues with um, finding games online, uh, losing your feed, freezes, pauses, dropouts, whatever it may be. Other than not being able to figure out how to watch it on my PlayStation so I can put it onto my TV, I haven't had an issue with BR Live. I can watch games on my phone. I can watch games on my tablet. I can take it anywhere I want. I can find games. And I haven't had any issues. I haven't had any dropouts. I haven't really had any freezes. There's obviously been a couple of games. I can go back and think of the Saskatchewan game where most of that game wasn't broadcast, uh, but they brought it back as a replay, and it's up there. Uh, The Buffalo game this past weekend, I think, had no sound for the first 10 minutes or something like that, but... Again, they fixed it. So overall, the product production quality of the NLL has gotten better. From clarity of the broadcast 
camera angles, replays, graphics, all the way through to the broadcasters calling the game. Everything has gotten better. And so now that we're laying the groundwork for the NLL and BR Live, and we're putting the right people in markets to call games, and some of these teams are even working on little private TV sponsorships. Um, You know, look at the Vancouver Warriors and their deal with Sportsnet to show Warriors in 30. Uh, They have a radio show. Now, uh, San Diego is doing a lot of stuff with uh, one of the local stations down there. Colorado has Altitude TV. There are some teams that have in-market TV partnerships, which is huge. But we can all agree, and again, the commissioner made that point very clear, that a multi-million dollar TV deal will help us get to where we need to be so that we can indeed be there and get there. So I'm interested to see over the next few years as this league grows, as more investor money comes into the league with high-named ownership groups, that soon enough, there will be a TV broadcast deal for the National Cross League. I believe, and I've always said this, that it is a must for the National Lacrosse League to get more eyes on lacrosse because non-lacrosse fans, even non-diehard fans, really aren't going to search out the BR Live app to watch games. Whereas if they're flipping through the channels, sitting in a hotel or sitting at home, and all of a sudden they come past blank station, and there's an NLL game right on their TV, they'll probably stick around and watch for a few minutes. And if you stick around and watch for a few minutes, maybe you'll stick around and watch for a few more. Maybe you'll watch the next broadcast. Maybe you'll tell a friend. Maybe you'll go to a game. And if you're in a non-NLL market, then maybe you'll search out BR Live, and then maybe you'll search out more information on the National Lacrosse League. But it's not until we get on TV that those things are going to happen. So I'm happy that the commissioner realizes that getting on TV is one of the key focal points for us to get there. I'm excited to see where it goes, and I'm excited to see how we get there. That's pretty much going to do it. Again, I deeply apologize um, for the lack of guests this week. Again, Uh, There were three interviews in the can, all recorded, um, but gremlins in the system left me with just my voice. And none of those interviews were recorded. None of them happened. But we're going to try to recreate the magic next week. Pat Gregoire will join us, as always. And we'll try and flesh out a few other guests for next week just to make up for the loss of this week. Again, six games in the National Lacrosse League, one Friday, five on Saturday. BR Live is where you can watch all of the action. If you're in market, get out to the games. Take a friend, 
take a friend, take two friends. There are going to be some incredible lacrosse games, and they will all have massive implications on the standings and the playoffs moving forward. Will we see Callum Crawford in the lineup? Can the Colorado Mammoth go into Calgary and take a win? Can the Vancouver Warriors knock off the red-hot New England Black Wolves? Who will emerge between Buffalo and Saskatchewan? And can the Bandits clinch a playoff spot? And what will the new-look Rochester Nighthawks do after all of the trades that GM Kurt Styers made over the past six days? Until then, find me on Twitter, at OffTheCrossBar. Email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. From now until then, enjoy the games and be excellent to each other. First left.